Welcome to the Sarah Centrella Show. Join best-selling author, master life coach, and manifesting expert Sarah Centrella as she shares tips, tools, and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream life. It's time to hustle and thrive. Now, here's your host, Sarah Centrella. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Sarah Centrella Show. Guys, I am on fire today for the conversation that we are about to get into because I have been reading this book called The Year of No Nonsense. Go get it. It's fucking amazing. You're going to love it. Um, If you've read either of my books, you're going to be all over this book because this chick and I have a very similar um, mindset and all of that kind of good stuff. So I cannot wait for you to meet her. Um, Meredith Atwood uh, is a recovering attorney. I love that. Um, she is also the host of the same 24 Hours podcast. So I was actually on her show not too long ago. Go check that out. Uh, subscribe. She has uh, run the Iron Man four times. Okay head spinning there. We need to get into that. Um, and is the best-selling author as well. So welcome to the show, Meredith. So excited to have oh, you. Well, thank you for having me. So glad to be here. So first of all, you've done a triathlete four times. <laughs> Let's just start there. <laughs> I, did a marathon. I did a marathon once, kind of just to honestly see if I could do it. I was coming up with the steps for possibly receive my first book, and I was like, okay, if it can work for this, for a chick who fucking doesn't run, hates to run, is a bit overweight, then it can probably work for anything <laughs> and anyone. <laughs> so that was kind of my, uh, my, you know, motivation to do it. It took me, oh, my God, seven hours or some shit. Like the whole thing was closed by the time I ran across the finish line. <laughs> um, so I cannot imagine what you've done. But you didn't start there. Nobody, nobody starts, um, you know, at success, right? Uh, you right. had a couple big wake-up calls to get even, you know, any of this started. So take us back to the beginning. Um, maybe it's a note that you received and, and just yeah. tell us where things kind of started for you, where this motivation began. Yeah, so I had two really pivotal moments in the last decade. The first one, since you mentioned triathlon, I'll, I'll quickly run through that one. But um, I had two kids under the age of two, and I was a litigating attorney. And I was commuting 12 hours a week. And it was just that time in my life where I was like, oh, my God, what? why did I sign up for any of this? You know, and I was 250 pounds and just living my best life in all areas. It just really sucks. And I hated being a lawyer. Right. I know people like being lawyers. Some some do. I'm sorry. I'm not one. <laughs> I'm not one. Right. Um, but anyway, I ended up going to this gym. I joined this gym. I went to a spinning class. And I I just kind of started moving my body from there. And I ended up doing my first triathlon. And I was 220 pounds. I did it in the body I had. And I went and did it, and I was like, this is the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me. I am a hero <laughs> that I did this. Right, game. right. This short like, oh, I, I mean, it, I couldn't, couldn't, yeah. I couldn't do, you know? Right, because I wasn't an endurance athlete. I grew up as a weightlifter, and then I just got big. And so there was that, and then I went on to do four Ironmans after a lot of training. But I still, I did all my Ironmans over 200 pounds. I was like 201, 205. 
And so I, you know, I lost some weight, but I'm a, I'm a big girl. I'm still, I sit here at 195, like, and I'm, I'm a fit big girl, you know? So anyway, I did that and I wrote a book about triathlon and it, it was, it was still like, I was proud of myself. I founded my swim bike mom blog and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And then this is the part two of the story. Um, I woke up one morning, I had been drinking really heavily the night before, which was par for the course. Um, I was like a two bottle of wine a day drinker up until this time. Yes, while doing Ironman. <laughs> yes, I was. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I woke up one morning and I just like told the whole world to go to hell. I just, I didn't get out of bed. I didn't take my kids to school. I went back to bed. I didn't go to work. And I woke up a couple hours later and I thought, well, my kids aren't here. I guess they went to school or someone kidnapped them. And like, I didn't care which one was true at that point. It was just like, whatever. And I went downstairs and on the counter lined up was a pizza box, um, my wine bottles, an NC container of ice cream and unpaid credit card bills and a post-it note right next to all of the stuff that was lined up. And I'm like, I don't remember lining this up last night when I went to bed. And so I look at the post-it note, and it was in my husband's handwriting, and it said, you need to get your shit together. And that was it. Wow. (laughs) That was on on the post-it note. And I was like, oh, oh, I need to get my shit together. So I got out my phone, and I started – texting him the angriest text I could think of with like double horns emojis and the knife and the coffin, <laughs> right, you know, cause dead. I was gonna, you're dead. It's over like, you're you. dead to <laughs> me. Like, do you not know all I do for you and these kids and everything? Right. And then I happened to look over and I saw my daughter's um, science fair project on the floor that I had promised her I would wake up early and help her with. And she was in first grade and I didn't even bother to show up. I didn't even bother to help. Mm -hmm. I didn't even bother to tell her why I couldn't. And that was a bit of a wake-up call. Like, I put my phone away. I didn't send that text. And I thought, oh, you really are screwing things up. And and this was all during the time when I was, you know, inspiring people to be the best they could be and do triathlon and all this stuff. And so it was this sort of fraudulent moment where I was like, oh, my God, I'm like a total fraud. I'm a drunk and I'm a fraud. and what am I going to do about all this? And so, you know, I didn't change overnight. A year later, I quit drinking um, for good. I'm five years sober. And uh, four years after. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. And then a year after that, I got out of the practice of law because that was <laughs> that was one of my major contributors to being a drinker, mm-hmm. I think. And sure. I, because I always had this dream of being a writer and I had this dream of being a coach and I, I wanted to sit in my PJs all day. I didn't know that that would happen anyway in 2020. Um, and I could have still been pulling my legal salary, but whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so exactly. it just became this this constant growth. Like even 10 years ago when I decided I would become a triathlete, I, I wanted to grow. I wanted to change. Um, but it was this long, painful process of peeling back what I call the truth onion and going through realizing who you are, why you do the things you do, even the bullshit behaviors you're doing, you do them for a reason, and what are those, and why am I so miserable? And so all of this exploration led to my second book, The Year of No Nonsense, which I pitched to my editor as a really fun, like, lighthearted book, like my triathlon book. And as I started writing it, I, like, uncovered my childhood trauma, (laughs) and I figured out all this shit, and I thought, oh, my God, this is not a funny book. And um, so I had called my editor and I said, 
I'm really sorry, but the book you bought, like, I'm not really writing that one. <laughs> and she was like, you can't do that. <laughs> like, you it's can't much deeper just... than that. <laughs> She's like, you can't do that. You can't change the playbook. And I said, well, right. I did. And she said, well, send it to me. And she, she was pissed, you know. I could tell, like, oh, my I God, bet, I'm ruining yeah. this woman's life. And so I sent it to her, and she wrote me back, like, one line. She said, keep going. And so I kept writing it, and yeah. the book it, the book came out last December. I had a little mini book tour before we shut down for the pandemic. But um, I'm really – like, my biggest fear with this book was I was terrified I was going to say too much or – um, cause I really didn't soften it. Like I didn't go girl. Well, it's very honest. With... <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's very, very honest. Yeah. Which is like my yeah. writing. It feels like you're, you're putting yourself naked in front of the world. It's, it's a very scary thing to do to write that brutally honest. It's almost kind of like when the book comes out, you're just holding your breath going, yeah. everyone about to hate yeah. me. <laughs> right. And everyone okay. was. I mean, everyone did. Like, my dad and I had a real hard time, but, um, it, you know, we're good now. We're, and so anyone who reads the yeah. book is like, oh, wow, you know, it was rough. But I, my biggest fear was I'm going to write this thing and really regret it. Like, really just – and so that when you're editing a book and you keep going through it, and I really looked at it with the eye of, okay, this is like – not this is not self-published this is going to be out there forever <laughs> i can't just pull it off right right um, am i going to be I okay if really, my kids read that yeah. am i going to be well i still don't let my kids are 12 and 13 and i'm like you do not touch this book until you're 16 <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> that's what i told my kids when my first book came out i was like when you're an adult you can read this <laughs> right right exactly and so um i'm you know here i am a year and a few handful of days later from the publication and i'm like man i'm so damn proud of this book and and really right. at the end of the day you got to make yourself proud and i am proud of that and i'm grateful for that because story of my life i have not made myself very proud <laughs> in a lot you well know? i i mean you you have so much to be proud of this book because to me that's the reason why i resonate with it right is because you're honest and because it's real and and not only that you do what i love especially in a personal development book is you give tools for people to dig deeper on their own which I mean, to me, that's everything because it's like one thing to read a book and be like, yeah, yeah, I get that or I resonate with it or that inspired me for a half second. But (laughs) how do I make any of this, you know, work for me or, you know, like how do I take any of this home and put it into practice? And you have um, these checkpoints, which are kind of like um, mini like homework assignments or journal entries or whatnot. I call mine homework, but now I'm I'm hating that because like I should have I should have named it something more inspiring so people don't get scared to do it. Um, so I love your checkpoints um, where it's it's your opportunity to kind of be introspective about it and get to get to some of those answers that are going to help the reader get change, which I think is yeah. is just so important. And there's so many different things I want to I want to dig into. But first, you talk about you know this year of no nonsense. It wasn't just something that you did for yourself to get your shit together and clean up your life, if you will, or, you know, just cut kind of some of the bullshit out. But it's it's something that you're providing the reader with a recipe to do as well, which I love. Um, so where does, where does that kind of, where did that come from? Why a year? What is no nonsense? Kind of dig into this a little bit for us. Yeah, sure. So 
Um, I had been just in the social media world for a while. I kind of just had enough. I looked around and I realized, oh, my gosh, I just am there's so much nonsense. Like this word just popped into my head. I was like, this is all just fucking nonsense. Like, and I started to see that everywhere. And I could like call down this like yard sale that was my life where I just had all this crap thrown about my yard and, and I was trying to get rid of it at rock bottom prices, you know? And it just, I don't know. The, I looked around and I thought, this is all, this is all complete nonsense. And I, thought, you know what, I'm just going to have a year of none of this. I'm going to have a year of no nonsense. And I said, that sounds really fun. I'm going to do that. It's going to be funny. It's going to be fun. And what I realized in my personal quest for it, and I also pitched the book shortly after, and so I started writing it and experiencing it at the same time, I realized a couple things, that we all have our own personal brands of nonsense. And so, like, what is nonsense to me isn't necessarily nonsense to you. So I'll give you an example a jar of Nutella. To a normal person who doesn't have a binge eating problem, they can just take the Nutella and have a spoonful and put it in the cabinet, right? For me, the jar of Nutella on its own is nonsense because I will binge eat the whole thing. Mm, and so yeah. that's one of the examples I use that nonsense is everywhere and it's, it's very subjective and it's very personal. And you have to figure out what is nonsense to you. And it's not like you're going around judging and you're like, oh, this is nonsense and that is nonsense. But you know when you're people-pleasing. You know when you're not exercising and you want to. You know when you're 50 pounds overweight and it bothers you. You know when you're 50 pounds overweight and it doesn't bother you, that that's not nonsense to you. So it's no judgment on anything whatsoever. But we do have things that bother us, and we do have things that are standing in the way of our greatest individual health, happiness, and success. And so the book boils it down, like helps you determine your own personal brands and nonsense and how that's pointing and standing in the way of your own personal greatest health, happiness, and success. And so that's yeah. the goal of the book. And the, check, the checkpoints that you mentioned um, at the end of the book, so like I encourage the reader to do the checkpoints because at the end of the book I put them all together and even in like my coaching and like the free group I have, I have like a PDF where you can take your answers, you put them into this worksheet, and you have a map for like how to live your year of no nonsense. And in navigation, they have these things called backstops in the woods. Like so, if you get too far, you think you're lost, you go back to your backstop, which is your latest, you know, point. So I have right, right. the checkpoints go back to that, and I'm like, if you feel like you're struggling in this area or you think something's not true, you go back to this backstop and you remind yourself that you are a runner and you are a warrior if you want to be one. Yeah. You are whatever you say you are, you know. And so it's really a mental journey, um, you know, to have your year of no nonsense, which then translates into a life of less nonsense. Yeah, no, I love it. And I kind of think, you know, as you were explaining or describing what, nonsense is and kind of how to um, do that, you know, checklist personally for yourself. <laughs> I'm kind of translating it to the word bullshit, right? So what's your bullshit? Yes. Well, that was <laughs> the original is, title. Bullshit? <laughs> that yeah. was the original title. The, the, yeah. The original subtitle was how a little less bullshit can change your life. And, and I went head to head with the publisher. I they, feel were, you on that. They, they were like, no, they wanted. No, no, no. They wanted bullshit. I actually did not want a cuss word in the title. 
Um, I have lots of cuss words in the book. I just didn't yeah. want it on the title. I thought it was trendy. I was, I was like, I just don't want it. Yeah. And they were fighting me for it. And then, funny story, Walmart and Target wanted the book. And they were like, we won't buy it with that on the title, so will you change it? And they were like, oh, well, there you go. It's perfect. <laughs> so um, that, that was a little perfect. bit of kismet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So That's by that following funny. your gut intuition, right? I'm telling you, whenever, <laughs> but we, whenever we stick to that. Yep, whenever yeah, we stick to that, change everything. bullshit. If you're thinking of, like, but, what is what is nonsense, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You called it bullshit, for sure. Yeah, because, you know, I'm thinking of a realization – that I had probably now probably about a year ago where I had been kind of one of those women who was really trying to sell myself on the popular messaging, which is your perfect the way you are, which I love. God, I love that. I know I've said this on the podcast many times before. Um, but for me, it was bullshit. For me, it was like an intentional, can I get myself off the hook with this? <laughs> you know, like, right. can I convince myself of this and, like, maybe feel a slight bit better? And I tried, honestly. I tried for probably four or five years in the process gained 40 pounds, so clearly it wasn't working. Um, mm-hmm. And I just kept feeling shittier and shittier and shittier. And then I had read literally, like, one uh, one line in Sherry Salazar where she was talking about how – how much bravery it takes to admit you want something different, something along those lines. Right. And it just, like, that was the thing that just broke it open for me where I was like, oh, my God, this is my bullshit. You know, this is literally, like, mm-hmm. I knew it was my bullshit. And because I knew I could do better and I know what it feels like to feel good and feel healthy and take care of myself, and I knew I did not feel like that. Um, right. It was like once I had that recognition, <clears throat> oh, my God, then I was actually motivated to change, change my mindset, change my belief system, which eventually led to me, I mean, I honestly have only lost probably 15 pounds, but I feel like a completely different person. Um, sure. Because I've been taking care of myself for the last year, you know, work out five days a week, and I, I feel so much better, you know. But I, I wasn't getting there as long as I was kind of masking that. You know, like mm-hmm. giving myself a pass, I guess, right? Like, eh, yeah. it's okay, it's okay. Um, so I love that, and I love how um, you kind of start off the book and, and one of the earlier chapters um, with this list of things that are going well in your life and a list of things that suck ass. I think that that's a great kind of place for people to start, you know, like, Tell us a little bit more about um, that exercise and, and kind of. Yeah. So when I started off the idea of having a year of no nonsense, I sat down and I think I've got this chronology correct, but it's, um, I sat down and said, okay, well, I'm going to make a list of things in my life that are going well. And then I'm going to make a list of things that suck ass like that. <laughs> That's just the terminology that came to mind. And I started writing the list and, um, pretty quickly, I realized how very short my things that are going well list was, and the things that could suck ass was very lengthy. And so that's actually one of the checkpoints at the end of chapter one. It's like I encourage the reader to get out their pen and paper and write a list of things that um, are going well and write a list of things that can suck ass. And <laughs> so from there, 
um, you know, it helps you put into perspective, like, things that you do want to change or things that you just don't like. And in the whole body positive movement, just like you started off and you said, like, it's great. And it right. is great. And good God, I hope, I hope my daughter grows up to love herself fully and completely exactly as she is. Um, but not all of us have that luxury as a starting point. I don't believe when you've spent your life miserable or you desperately want to change something about your body for whatever reason – that you can just jump into self-love. I don't, I don't think that's a bridge right. that, that attaches the two islands. And so I, I, I hear you. And I have always been a big girl, and I have done a lot of great feats with this size, but I also don't want to stay here. I work hard, and I, I don't really pay much attention to the scale anymore because it just is nuts. But I do pay attention to my workouts, and I do try and eat better, and I do feel better. And that, again, is – your personal brand of whatever you want to change. It's your personal brand of nonsense. If if eating a jar of peanut butter is nonsense to you, then it, then it is, you know. And so when you look at your things that suck ass list, if you're like, oh, my God, my ass sucks ass, <laughs> then that's <laughs> fine, you know. But, but you have to figure out what it is you really want. And there is nothing, nothing, nothing wrong in wanting what you want. And the whole culture right now is trying to tell us we're wrong for wanting something. They're trying to say, you know, yeah. it's the patriarchy. It's, and, and it is the, the patriarchy is loud and well and certainly um, telling us that women are supposed to look a certain way. Like th- that can exist and you can also want to look a certain way because you just want it. Like they can right. coexist in the world or you can just want to be the best version of, of yourself and you know that at 205 you're not there, but at 191 you feel pretty damn sexy. And that's good too. So, um, that, you yeah, know, a lot of I, it, it, yeah. And there, like, there you kind of have it because I think for me, the, the big realization was if I'm trying to up level my life in every category, right? And, you know, I want to be the best that I can be. That's why I'm drawn to personal development, obviously, you know, self awareness and growth and goals and all of those kind of things. Um, but yet this one area of my life is dominating my negative self-talk is making me unmotivated in all the rest of the areas. It's making me feel like a failure, honestly, you know, then, then what is that? I've got to dig it. I can't just keep putting band-aids over it. You know what I mean? And so I think whatever it is, whether it's, you know, your physical health or whether it's maybe you're not stepping up in your, in your business and your career, um, your relationships maybe, (laughs) Um, I think we kind of all know that, you know, when we're performing at our best, when we're giving it our best shot, and when we're giving ourselves passes. And that's kind of the main thing. It's like enough with the passes already, (laughs) you know? Yeah. We can do better. We can do better. Why lower the bar? How about raise the freaking bar? you hit on – yeah, I mean, you hit on an interesting point. You said, I think we all know that we're giving ourselves passes. I think some of us do. I think 90% of us that are feeling like we are struggling actually haven't owned that yet. And so part of the work mm-hmm. of peeling that back is actually discovering your bullshit. I think a lot of people still have themselves fooled. I, and and they haven't quite yeah, come to the the truth of of all of it. And 
until you're willing to see the entire truth, and David Goggins does this beautifully. He's just like, get in front of the mirror, your accountability mirror, and you look at your damn self, and you decide what you want to change, and you go change it, whether it's your hair, your body, your career, like whatever it is. Like holding a mirror up to yourself and seeing the good, the bad, the ugly is like getting out all your credit card statements and putting it on a spreadsheet. Like no one wants to do it. It's really depressing. You're like, holy fuck, how did I get into so much debt? How did I do this? Like, but once you see it, you are able to change it. And so many of us 100%. are just not seeing it. Like I didn't see it when I had the post-it note left for me by my husband. I just thought I was great. Like not really. Not really. I right. Or you're that, like, this but, is just but, a bad day. You know, like, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just not having like my, my optimum day. But you're not kind of seeing the whole picture that sometimes the other people in your life can, you know, yeah. see it in a way that we can't. Yeah. And I think that is very true. I think you probably have to be introspective and do some of this work, right? And one of the things, you know, like why I mentioned I love your checkpoint so much um, is because what I've found over the last, you know, several years of coaching is that most people don't know how to ask themselves the questions that get to the answers they want, if that makes sense. Like, they just really yeah. don't know. And, and if they have a sheet full of the questions, they can get to it no problem because it's just like, you know, the ability to kind of respond and, and whatnot. But just knowing what to ask yourself, like, how do I peel back that onion? How do I mm-hmm. get to those layers? I really think that that's um, kind of a rare skill. And one, but once people are, you know, have that ability, um, then I think you really can. And, and so I love that you provide that as a tool so that, you can start start getting back those layers. And, and one of the, the first layers <clears throat> that you talk about is heading back to where it all begins, right? Um, <laughs> our, our childhood, you know, no one really wants to talk yeah. about it. Or, I mean, there's been so much, uh, you know, I think therapy got maybe a bad rap for a while. People just kind of made it right. a joke. Oh, it's all about your childhood, whatever. Um, and so I think in a way kind of the backlash from that was like, oh, I'm just going to glaze over it, at least for me. I will, I will own that for myself because I really thought, yes, I know for a fact I had a fucked up childhood, but I'm just going to glaze over all that, make a big joke of it, ha, 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 wasn't that funny, and go on about my life as if the first 20 years of my life didn't happen. And then kind of the older that I got and the more I started writing. We really are like long lost. We are. I think. <laughs> and I swear writing does this, right? Doesn't it? Yeah. For you too, like, it's one of the things that I'm constantly teaching, you know, the people in my group too, like, you have to write, you have to get out a journal, get out a pen, like, work the shit out, get it out of your head and work it out. And that's where I really was like, oh, shit. And once you do, it's not about blame, really, at least it wasn't for me, it was more about like, now I make sense <laughs> to myself, right? right? Now I understand why I'm doing XYZ. Okay. So once I kind of can get that, then I can do something about it. So how do people do that in a positive way? How did you do that, kind of take that journey back to childhood? Yeah, Yeah, and that's chapter two, and it's the longest chapter in the history of, like, all chapters. Because I told told my editor, (laughs) I was like, we've got to cut this chapter down. It's like 70 pages. She's like, we can't. It's just 
too brutal. And if people can just get through this, then they'll love the whole book. And I'm like, wait, what? Are you, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. it really is. I've had a lot of people say they get to chapter two and they're like, no, not now. And I said, that's fine. You may not be ready to actually look back. And, and look, there are therapists and there are trained professionals to help you deal with your trauma. And I have a disclaimer and all that. That is not what this is. This is literally glance back, gather the necessary data, and move forward. So, like, ask yourself, what names were you called? What numbers were given more importance to you? Who, who said something that you still play in your head on repeat and you believe to be true even though there's no factual basis for it? And one of the examples I have in the book is I was um, playing basketball in eighth grade, and I was running in the basketball game. And after the game, the coach grabbed me and said, hey, if you run like that, you're never going to be a runner. And I thought, wait a minute, I just, like, ran <laughs> the entire game. What are you <laughs> right. talking about? How, what do you mean I'm not a runner? And he said, well, you ran funny, you ran with your legs straighter. And I was blown away. Like, it was, like, news to me that I was not running, right? And so from that moment, I thought, well, I'm just not a runner. I'm not a runner. Right. And then the same year, yes, I label myself. Well, not, not an endurance athlete. Got it. But then the same year, um, I was, like, kind of scouted for the local weightlifting team because my basketball coach, same coach, said, you know, you're really strong. And I was like, I am? And so I went and ended up lifting weights, and the weightlifting coach was like, man, you're, like, the strongest girl we've had come through here in years. And, and so I believed him. And so I stepped into that role, and I am strong. And I became a pretty accomplished weightlifter. I went to Junior Worlds in 97 and placed fourth and one lift and seventh and another and I mean I was I stepped into both of those things so when I started doing triathlon in my early 30s I was like oh but I'm not a runner and I was like Mm, holy crap you know that's where that that came from right and so that's all that I sort of ask of the reader in chapter two it's like understanding what the hell happened maybe you know, and, and like you, you said, it is not to go blame. It is to connect the dots. It is to connect, why do I think this? Where are these core beliefs coming from? Why do I actually think X, Y, and Z? And that's it. And then you move on. You decide, like, okay, that was enough <laughs> remembering all yeah. of that shit. And you move on. Or you don't. You go get a therapist. And I had to get a therapist when I started writing this book. I had never been to therapy in my life. And I got so busted up when I started remembering and writing that I actually had a therapist I saw twice a week as I finished writing this book because I thought, right. I'm not going to get through this. <laughs> so it's yeah, real. Yeah. You know, it's, it's real. Absolutely. But I think you're so right. There are so many of the things, and there's definitely, you know, deeper ones or if you've had trauma and, and things like that, that getting that help from therapy can be amazing and really help you work through it and let it go. But like the example you give, there's lots of those that we all carry that, honest to God, and this kind of almost blows me away, but it's, I've seen it be true not just in my life but in, you know, the, the clients that I work with. Once you know where a belief came from, you can let it go so easily because, you know, for, like for you, when you realize, like, oh, it was my coach that said that, that's ridiculous. Like, you know, who the fuck is he mm-hmm. to say what a runner is? You know, like your your brain now can kind of make a different translation and say, well, that's silly. Of course I can decide if I'm a runner now or not. And 
you know, if I want to be a faster runner, I can get a coach and he can give me some skills or, you know what I mean? And so right. a lot of times we think that all the stuff we uncover is going to be so hard or we can't ever let it go or move past it. And I mean, I promise you there's so many of these things that seem so kind of small in a way, but like just uncovering them, knowing where they came from, it's, you can shake it like the second skin, just be like, oh, well, shit, that doesn't even make sense to me anymore. Great. Now, but I think that the big piece of it is like the, the first half is the recognition. <clears throat> the second half is saying, okay, well, what's the new story? Because I think if you don't do that, you know, then you are kind of stuck, right? So then right. if you say, hey, I am a runner. I am an endurance runner. Okay, cool. Well, now I'm going to start to do the steps to be the best endurance runner I can be. You know, so you, you have to replace it with the story that you want to be true, I think. Would you right. agree that right. there has to be something, you know, like to move it forward? Right. And I think once you uncover whatever you're going to uncover from your childhood, you got to lay down for a minute. You know, you got to just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, let me just lay down and, you know, eat or like binge watch because it is a lot. It's a, it's a big ask of your nervous system. It's a big ask of, of everything. But you're right. I mean, there there's, there's steps you take and I know you, you do it in your coaching one way. I do it in my coaching another. And, but at the end of the day, it's all the same the same process, which is your your thoughts equal your emotions, or your emotions equal your actions, and your actions get your outcome. And that's where you either got to lay down and give up or you got to lay down and go, okay, this is how I feel about this. Now, how are my actions and emo- or my emotions contributing to this? Okay, well, I binge eat all the time because no one fed me as a child. Okay, duly noted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do we want right. to change that? You know, and so what specific actions can I put into place to kind of stop the binge cycle, or at least cut it back. I mean, I still binge eat. I don't know that I'm ever going to be, like, quote, unquote, healed from that. And, uh, frankly, I right. don't know that I give a fuck to be healed from it because sometimes I just yeah, want yeah. pasta, pizza, and ice cream, and, and I don't want to feel bad about it. But I binge once every two months now versus every weekend, and I don't drink. And, and I think that you've got to go through whatever process you have to go through, but until you're willing to see your own bullshit – it, nothing will change. You will go on every detox. You will go on every yoga retreat, and you will never change because you will be repeating the same thing. So this work that's in the year of nonsense is about finding the root of it. It's digging. It's peeling the truth onion to the core and holding that core in your hand and going, okay, I understand. <laughs> yeah, I and it. it is hard to to take that mirror and look inwards, right? Because I think until you do this work, the the natural human instinct for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people is to play the blame game, right? Well, I do this mm-hmm. because, you know, I wasn't fed as a child, or I do this because this, that, or the other thing. And what scares a lot of people about doing this work is like, holy shit, I'm going to have to start to see that some of this is my actions, and now what? Um, but for me, it's so freeing. It's it's tough, right? That first part of really doing the introspection and, and taking accountability for, you know, our actions and things like that. But then, then it's like, oh, well, if I did things to get me here, then I could do things to get me out or get me to, right. you know, another outcome or something along those lines. And um, to me, that gives 
a lot of power, I think. Um, you talk a lot about shame, too, and I think, you know, I know the women listening here, we get it, right? We've, <laughs> yeah. I think we are the best at shaming ourselves, at least for I know sure. for a fact I was. I was, good God, the conversations I used to have with myself just make me want to cry for that girl, right? Like, holy crap, give yourself a break. Um, but what what did you discover in this process about, especially if you're digging into childhood stuff and things like that, um, what do we do about yeah. shame? <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I am not... I'm not the preeminent researcher on shame. Like Dr. Brene Brown's the one to go to and she's the one, you know, but at the same time, I think what I've learned about shame is that it, it also comes from somewhere. You know, it's just like all our, it's just like core beliefs. Like I had no idea. And I tell the story in the, in the book about my boobs. Like it's, it's meant to be funny. Like I talked about how like by the time I was 18, no less than like six people had commented on my boobs. Right. So by the time I was 18, it was like, what's wrong? You know, I obviously have something wrong with mm-hmm. them. And then, you know, I grow up, I have two babies, and I go into a lifetime fitness, and I'm like, oh, my tits look like every other woman's tits in here who hasn't had right. surgery. <laughs> right, they're right. all just, like, hang, hanging slightly lower and, like, whatever. And But it is that it's the meaning that, that someone else gave to our body, our, our heart, our head, our, our abilities, and we internalized it, right? So that's where shame is. And, and as soon as you can, can pull it out and say, like, this is who I am, this is what I'm feeling, and we didn't all come from the generation that allowed us to talk about our feelings. Like, that just wasn't what we did. We, we were told to be good and to sit still and go to church, and you just behaved. And we weren't allowed to show anger. And so all of that meant that we turned it inside and and pointed it at ourselves and that became shame and it takes on so many different levels of of pain and 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 issues for us and so if you can just understand where it all came from you can begin to let go of the shame not all of it i mean i still i still struggle with it but again awareness and self-awareness and and having your eyes open you can't do anything without that so true. So true. Um, the last thing that I, I want us to kind of get into really quick is how you wrap up the book of what you're talking about thriving now, right? How do we, how do we start to thrive in the present, find our happiness, um, really kind of step into our best, the best version of ourselves? What are some tips yeah. for people to, to start doing that now? Like, really start living in, in their best life right now. Yeah, and I, th- I think it all starts with being honest with, with who you are currently. You know, see the bad, the ugly, the good, the beautiful. See all of it. Like, really take some time to get to know yourself. I think we don't know who we are a lot. And, and so taking that time to open your eyes and see. And then to ask yourself what you really want. Like, what did you like when you were a kid? What dreams are you leaving on the table? What are you doing that you hate? How many people are you pleasing that you don't even like? Um, I had a lot of realizations mm-hmm. that I was just entertaining conversations with people I couldn't fucking stand. <laughs> <laughs> I do right? not even like this person, and I right? am having her over to my house to ride bikes. Like, explain to me, Meredith Atwood, what you're doing. Um, and, and so just just this awareness of of who you are, what you're doing to support who you are or to enforce the parts that you, you don't actually want to enforce. Um, 
And then to get in the business and finding your biggest brand of nonsense. What is the one thing, like, and everyone knows what it is right off the bat. What is the one thing, the biggest brand standing in the way of your personal health, happiness, and success right now? If you close your eyes and you thought about it, you know what it is. And, and we're human, so we're obviously going to not want to quite let that one go because it's probably a vice that's serving us in some way. So let me skip to the next mm-hmm. one. It must be yoga. I must need to do more yoga. It's not my drinking problem. It's not my spouse. It's not my job. Like, I need to do more yoga. Right. And so we, we don't like to look at the one thing that's in our way. But that, you know, it's just like Ryan Holiday talks about, the obstacle is the way. That's Stoic philosophy. Marcus Aurelius talked about it way before him. The way to get through something is the obstacle that is in the way. And so if you can identify that one big bullshit, <laughs> one yep. big bullshit, and start to attack that one, um, you will see huge dividends. Now, if you don't want to deal with your big bullshit, deal with your little bullshit. Like, But just deal with some of it because you can literally – take every day as it comes, every situation, every interaction, and you can ask yourself the question, is this person, place, or thing nonsense, yes or no? And you can put all people, all places, all things, all conversations into a bucket of nonsense or not. And if you start to look at your life as black and white, just for the sake of this experiment, um, you will be surprised at how much, like your entire garage will be full of the nonsense bucket and you'll have this little tiny 12 by 12 crate that's not nonsense. And you're like, oh, that's the shit that matters. Let me look here and do <laughs> and spend more yeah. time in this little crate. Um, and so that's like when I give talks and that, that's always the leaving challenge is take two weeks and ask yourself in any dilemma, any situation, any choice you have to make, is this choice I'm about to make, is this person, place, thing, nonsense, yes or no? And if it's nonsense, then you don't have to do anything about it, but you've labeled it and you know that, you know, maybe I do need to deal with this at some point. Maybe I do need to say no, set a boundary, get rid of, cancel, whatever. I love that. I love that. That's such amazing advice. You guys go out, grab this book, The Year of No Nonsense. Do the work, do the work, do the work, do the work, um, and let us know how it goes. I'm sure uh, Meredith would love to hear from you. Um, So, Meredith, where can everybody uh, learn all about you, follow you, all that kind of good stuff? Yes. Um, So I'm everywhere as Swim Bike Mom. That is an unfortunate moniker I picked up when I did travel, and now I'm just going to keep it. Um, but it, it is across the board as where I am, Swim Bike Mom. Um, and I also have a new community that is free to join. And so if you go to my website, swimbikemom.com, it's right on the homepage there. You click to request to join. And from there, you can see my podcast and, and the books available wherever traditional books are sold and the audio book as well. Um, yeah, this one bike mom. Come follow me on Instagram. It's my favorite place. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom um, and being on the show today. And everybody, get out there and hustle and thrive. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you got value from today's show, please spread the love by clicking subscribe, leaving a stellar review, and telling everyone you know. And join us next time on the Sarah Centrella Show.